you know, it's a, it's an honor and it's a privilege when you get to introduce your hero's hero. You know, face dad was just very special. Faye's dad loved God, loved God's word, and he loved the truth of God's word, especially when it came to creation. And I know many of you took his class in Sunday school, and uh, you wanted to get on his bad side, just not agree with him on the topic of creation. I mean, I agreed with him 110%. I still got on his bad side from time to time. Uh, and he was my hero. Well, this morning we have his hero here to share. So Dr. Joe Martin, his wife, uh, Jenna D, are here all the way from Texas. And I am just delighted. Uh, it's a privilege uh, for him to come and, and, and share the things that God has placed on his heart uh, with you all. And so, Dr. Martin... Will you come now and, and share? We are going to take up a collection for him afterwards, so uh, there will be an offering plate back there in the back. So as, you, as you're leaving, if you would like to donate to their ministry, uh, there will be an offering plate back there in order for you to, to do that. And how thankful we are that we can rush before your throne of grace. Father, you, you've invited us to bring our petitions, our requests, our needs before you. So, Father, this morning we come before you. Just pray that you will bless Dr. Martin. Father, you will use him in a mighty way that people's hearts will be open to the truth of your word. I thank you for Dr. Martin and Jenna D and his family. Pray your blessings on them. We pray all these things in Christ's name, for his sake. Amen. Well, it's good to be with you. And Don and Mary Baker were just dear friends of ours for many, many years. Dr. Baker and I were on the board of a place called Summit Ministries up in Manitou Springs, Colorado. Uh, it teaches the biblical worldview. And uh, he would go around fixing the chairs. It was like an antique. The whole It was an old hotel up there. And uh, Dr. Baker would find a chair that some student had rocked back on and broken the legs off and who knows what. He had all kinds of ingenious ways of putting those chairs back together again. And so we had a lot of good fellowship as two biblical creationists uh, amongst, uh, amongst very intellectual people who were not necessarily uh, a lot of philo Christian philosophers came through up there because Dr. Noble was a philosopher. And all of the Christian philosophers, the famous ones uh, that came through up there, they were all old earth ancient earth, to be academically acceptable in philosophical circles, you didn't dare say you believed in a young earth. Uh, there was only one that I knew of that was actually believed in a young earth, like the Bible teaches. His name was Michael Bauman. He was from Hillsdale College. But anyway, um, 
So we go back a long time as uh, families. And so m this morning I began with what I was going to do here this morning in church. And I got a little confused. We came up to get everything set up and working here. And then when I went down there, I turned the same program on. So we went about two-thirds of the way through of what I was going to do now. Then my wife reminded me, you're supposed to be talking about animals down here. So then I got to the program. And so we're going to talk a little. We're going to start with the one I was supposed to do downstairs and uh, cover a few things there. And then we'll jump over to the other one. But to get there... I first want to look at just a couple things in the Bible. You had that scripture up there, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And by the way, uh, heaven there, the word heaven in the Hebrew is a dual noun. It means there's two, okay? I think in the beginning God created the atmospheric heaven and the stellar heaven. He already had the third heaven, Okay? So there's two heavens in the beginning. And, uh, but the interesting thing is, uh, this idea of a trinity, the tri our God is a trinity. He is three persons, but he is one God. That's a hard thing to think about. So uh, let's go to Romans chapter 1 for just a minute and uh, see what God says down there in uh, verse 20. He says this, Romans 1, verse 20. For the invisible things of him of God, from the creation of the world, invisible things from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Now, wait a minute. What's the definition of invisible? You can't see it. Well, God is telling us, is this some kind of contradiction here? God is telling us we can see invisible things about God. How? Being understood by the things that, he are, that, he are, that are made. So when we study the creation, we can see things about God that are invisible things, but we can get an idea about it. Even his power, his eternal power and Godhead, so they're without excuse. So people study what God has made. They won't give him glory. They won't give him thanks. And God says, you've even seen some of the invisible things about me as you study the creation. All right, let's say we, well, let's not say we have one God, Three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have one universe made up of three things, time, space, and matter. First verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, what's that? Time. God created the heavens. What's that? Space. And the earth. What's that? Matter. Now look at each one of those. Time. What is that? One thing but three. Past, present, and future. God created the heavens. What's that? Space. What's that? One thing but three. Width, depth, and height. And the earth. What's that? Matter. What is matter? One thing but three. Solid, liquid, and gas. Now, there's a problem with plasma there. Some of these young people are going to have to figure that one out. Well, what are you? Body, soul, and spirit. What's a tree? Root, trunk, leaves. What's an atom? Major parts. Proton, neutron, electron. I'm a dentist. What's a tooth? Denim, cementum, enamel. What is music? Melody, harmony, rhythm. God has scattered all over his creation things that are one but it takes three to make the one. Music, melody's not the same as harmony, harmony's not the same as rhythm, rhythm's not the same as melody, but it takes all three to make good music. Even though the younger generation has forgotten that temporarily. <laughs> you can't just have a drum, you gotta have something there. But anyway, uh, so, and by the way, is there a grammatical mistake in Genesis one? 
In the beginning, God, plural noun, okay, created is a third person singular verb. Did God make a grammatical mistake? That's the same as us saying they was. That's not good English. It's not even good Hebrew. No, he didn't make a mistake. He's telling us in his very first verse of the Bible, I am a plural and I am a singular all at the same time. Okay, so it's amazing. It's just amazing. Well, I'm going to do nothing, something else while we're there. Uh, look down at um, verse uh, Romans chapter, oh, excuse me, back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. See, when I, I get off my program, like I did today, then I have no idea what I'm doing. So you all pray for me. But there's something I think I want to say right now. Verse 6 of Genesis 1, And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. There's dual nouns again. Waters is a dual noun. So God is going to divide two bodies of water. He's going to have a firmament in between, and then two more bodies of water. And God made the firmament, look in verse 20, and God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and the fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. The birds fly in the open firmament. Okay, so that would be atmospheric heaven. So God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under where the birds fly around, firmament, from the waters which were above where the birds fly around, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven and the evening and the morning were the second day. So what is God doing here? He's saying he put two bodies of water. If we just take it literally, the dual nouns of waters, he put two bodies of water above where the birds fly, and he put two bodies of water underneath where the birds fly. Okay, I would say one body of water above where the birds fly was a pre-flood, some sort of water canopy around earth. I know a lot of people don't think they, oh, there's a heat problem, this and that. No, no, I, I think it was there. How did the dinosaurs get so big? They can't get that big today. It was a different system. How did people live eight and 900 years back then? They don't live that long today. Why? It's a different system. How could you have a donkey nine feet tall at the shoulder? They found a fossil donkey out near Lubbock, Texas. Nine feet tall. They found a buffalo 11 feet tall. I mean, today, a donkey, you can just put your leg over it and hope they don't drag. By the way, what did Jesus ride into Jerusalem on? A donkey. Did you know all full-blooded donkeys have a cross on their back? Next time you see a donkey, go look at his back. There's a cross on the back. Did God put that on there at that time, or did he put that on there originally and say, well, I'm going to ride one of those with the cross on the back into Jerusalem? Amazing, just amazing. Anyway, uh, I think there was a water canopy over our uh, earth, and then I think the second water is around the universe. Psalm 148, verse 4 alludes to that one. Okay, I think that one is still there. There's not a picket fence out there. Dr. Baker used to say, Somewhere out there, there's probably a picket fence around the universe. <laughs> well, there is something out there, all right. I think maybe it's a water canopy. So then, what about the two under? Well, we have the surface waters on the earth, and we have the undersurface waters. You drill, drill a well, what are you going to hit? Sooner or later, you're going to hit water. So I think if we just take the Bible literally, what the Hebrew says, it makes total sense. And we can do that. 
right, one more thing. When day six, Adam is created on day six. Is he a little baby? No, he's created a full-grown man, right? Fully mature man. Let's say Michael the archangel is walking around in the garden. He walks up to Adam. Hey, uh, my name's Michael. What's yours? Oh, my name's Adam. Adam, how old are you? Uh, Ten minutes old. God just made me like I am 11 minutes ago. God puts Adam to sleep, takes out a rib. By the way, there's people today, progressive creationists, say, oh, no, that doesn't mean he took out a rib. That just means he was sourced in Adam. Well, what, why does God say he had to close up the flesh? Genesis chapter 2, about verse 21. Yeah, God took out a rib, hand-fashioned Eve. That's what the Hebrew word is there, hand-fashioned Eve. Adam wakes up, takes one look at Eve. Whoa, man, which is woman. And he says, Eve, you're beautiful. How old are you, Eve? Ten seconds. Uh, oh, Eve, you've got to be 20 years old. Nope, God just made me 15 seconds ago, Adam. God, Eve, Adam, I'm hungry. Adam reaches up, picks a ripe peach, hands it to Eve. Whoa, Eve says, what a good peach. How long does it take to grow a tree like that? Three days. You can't grow a tree with a ripe peach in three days. You see? If we're going to believe the biblical account as it's written, we have to believe we have a God that doesn't need time. Jesus doesn't need time. His miracle showed us that. What's his first miracle? Anybody remember? Water and wine. John chapter 2. You want to look at that quickly? Okay. In John chapter 2, uh, go down to verse 6. John 2, verse 6. Now, this is the wedding at Cana of Galilee. By the way, Genesis in the Septuagint Greek, the Greek of the Old Testament. Genesis 1, in the beginning. The Greek of the New Testament. John 1, in the beginning. The Greek of the Old Testament. Man into marriage. Genesis chapter 2. John chapter 2. Man into marriage. Genesis chapter 3. The sin, the fall, the curse. John chapter 3, the answer to the sin, the fall, the curse. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And it goes on. The first 11 chapters of Genesis in the Old Testament Greek parallel either with the Greek words or the Greek thoughts, the first 11 chapters of John. God's calling our attention right back to the beginning in those chapters of John. We can believe what God says back there in Genesis. Okay, God the Father, in the power of the Holy Spirit, through the agency of Jesus, created everything. Now we know that, John 1, Colossians 1, Hebrews 1, Jesus is the creator. All right, so now the creator is going to do his first miracle. Now what were his first acts? A six-day week of creating fully mature systems. Fully mature Adam, fully mature Eve, fully mature trees, okay? All right, now he's going to do his first miracle. And it says, and there were set there six water pots of stone. How many water pots? Six. How many days in the creation week? Six. Is that a, is that a mistake? No. Could have been ten water pots. Could have been one water pot. He took six. And what did he do? After the manner of purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins each, that would be about 20 or 30 gallons. And Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. They filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now and bear to the governor of the feast. Take it to the head fellow there. And they bear it. They took it to him. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water, 
that was made wine, oinos, don't be filled and drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, uh, the oinos, and knew not whence it was. He didn't know where it came from. But the servants which drew the water knew. The governor said of the feast said to the bridegroom, Every man at the beginning, at the beginning of the feast, thus set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. This tastes like aged wine. Now, I don't know if it was wine. It tastes like aged wine. Uh, how many water pots? Six. How, how long does it take to make something that would taste like aged wine? Well, it can't be done in a minute. It takes time, no time. So his first miracle, the creator, is creating something that appears to have maturity. He did six water pots, just like six days. His first miracle, he said, hey, here I am. Here I am. I'm the one that did it back there. You can believe me. I'll do something here and show you. And the rest of his miracles, feeding the 5,000. Was he baking bread? Hey, guys, today we're going to feed 50, maybe 15,000 people, 5,000 men and women and children. Uh, we got to have two more tons of flour and a bunch of more ovens out here. Today. No. He's fully baked, fully dried fish out of that basket. How did he do that? Because he doesn't need time. See, if we're going to believe the creation as it's written, we have to believe we have a God that doesn't need time. And that means he can create fully mature systems, functional in every way, for their particular niche that he's made for them, whether it's a polar bear in Alaska with feet that look like snowshoes that can swim for 8 to 10 days, out there swimming for 8 to 10 days, and he doesn't even catch a cold. What's going on? By the way, did you know the polar bear's hair is not white? The polar bear's hair is translucent. It's clear. But the way the light is refracted through it makes it look white. What color is snow? It's white. What is snow made of? Water. What color is water? It's clear. See, God has built these things into his creation that we think, that's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, but did you know the polar bear's skin, underneath that what appears to be white fur, his skin is black. And it acts like a big solar panel. It collects every little speck of light that it can to help generate more heat. And they'll have four to eight inches of fat underneath their skin. But a sea otter doesn't have any fat at all under its skin. But it lives in the same ocean that the polar bear does. But the sea otter, his fur is so thick that he doesn't need fat under his skin or her skin. It's just amazing. God thought all these things up before there was anything, anything at all. And uh, all right, let's just see what we have here. How, how did we start this morning uh, in the beginning, God, we've got to believe that. He made everything. Jesus is the creator. I gave a little of my testimony. I'm not going to do that now, okay? Uh, I gave a lot of this uh, this morning, so we're going to skip that. And uh, some of you are reading every word of it anyway. Uh, I, was, I became a creationist. I was probably 34 years old, maybe. I became a Christian when I was 27, all right? 
uh, after being raised in the church. I didn't believe it because of all the hypocrisy I saw among Christians. I didn't believe it. But then I was looking at people instead of Jesus. And I finally took a look at Jesus after reading Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And uh, came to know Jesus as my Savior. You know, just recently, uh, I had to have new hearing aids. And a big thing. Anyway, we ended up at Sam's and this lady. And, and uh, I'm talking, and they didn't have my hearing aids either. And, uh, and she said, what do you do? Well, what are you going to do? I said, well, I'm kind of a missionary. I talk about Jesus and everything, and I talk my testimony. And, and she said, you know, someone recently told me I should read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Bible. And she said, I've read Matthew, Mark, and I'm about halfway through Luke. And I said, that is wonderful. I said, but that's all information now in your head. You've got to get it from your head to your heart. You need to ask Jesus to just come into your heart and forgive your sins. Right there in the hearing aid booth in Sam's, out loud, this lady, oh, Jesus, I want you in my heart. I want you to forgive my sins. Oh, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. <laughs> so that was kind of fun. That was just a couple of weeks ago. And so we've taken her some things and went back and checked up on her again. But are you talking about Jesus with people? There's every kind of opportunity. You know, this isn't at all what I was going to talk about. But I'm just going to trust God. You just pray for me. Okay. So, we have these animal cards. I mean, people, they're afraid to share the gospel. Okay. You don't have to with these. You can. All right. You can. But you might, uh, somebody is somewhere. You're on a bus or somewhere or in a mall or going to Walmart. And, and you hand it to the checker. You ever heard of an I.I.? No, what's an I.I.? Well, here, would you like to read about it? Yeah, they always take them. How many of you have heard of the I.I.? You, you've not heard of the I.I.? Oh, it's one of God's wonderful creations, okay? We've got it on one of our DVDs. By the way, we have, somewhere we have a book table. We don't charge for anything in church, okay? We want you to have the information. Now, there, I, there's probably a box, is there? There's like a donation box. If you want to put something in, fine. But we want you to have the information and share it with people. On one of them, the II's in there. And, uh, and they'll take it. Well, if they click on that QR code, it takes them straight to the gospel. All right? You don't have to. I don't know how to share the gospel. Well, they'll click on that. It'll take them there. You should know how to share the gospel. I hope you do. And uh, so anyway, so the story I was going to tell you. So we were at a motel here a couple weeks ago. We're in motels. We're in them more than we're home. And uh, there was a lady over here in the cafeteria. She looked like a liberal. I mean, sometimes liberals just look like a liberal to me. And she just did. And uh, so I thought, well, okay, I'm going to give her an animal card. So I uh, pull one out. Turns out it was a humpback whale, Okay. I didn't know what it was. I just pulled one out. I looked. Oh, humpback whale. So I walk over. I just put it on the table in front of her. And I said, we've got to save these whales. Oh, yes, yes. We've got to save the whales. I mean, she went crazy. Okay. And then she picked it up. Oh, she'd read the thing. Uh, that's all I said with her. Okay. But she's got it. All right. By the way, there was another lady there that morning. 
and she was sitting there like she was in depression. And she's sitting there like this, all by herself at a booth for half an hour while we ate. So oh, she needs an animal card. <laughs> so I pulled out three. It was a lynx, a puffin, and a wolf. So I just walked over to her table. I said, well, you get a lynx, and I put the lynx down, and a puffin, and I put it down, and a wolf. I love wolves. Oh, thank you. A big smile, okay? And so, I mean, it's fun. It's just fun. Anyway, uh, let's get on here a little bit. Uh, but are you sharing the gospel? My brothers and sisters, are you sharing the gospel in any way at all? Do you have anything with you that you could leave someone? A gospel tract of some kind? And what? Okay, how many of you right now, with you right now, have some sort of a gospel tract? That's weak. That's weak. Thank you to some of you do. Why don't you? Why don't you? What are we here for? I'm getting preachy. I'm going to keep moving. All right, so I've been a creationist. Now, uh, Darwin didn't know anything about a whole bunch of... See this new computer? I mean... This is a new computer, and the clicker, there's no clicker, left and right clicker. It's all on that pad, and I'm, I keep hitting the wrong thing. Okay, why do so many professing Christians believe in various forms of evolution? And we do, shamefully. We don't believe in the Bible. We believe in the words of man. John 5, How can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? God gets honor. And glory, when we talk about him, when we talk about his creation, when we talk about the irreducible complexity of various things, okay, he gets honor. When you plant seeds, we do a lot of seed planting. And that's, we now have these little gospel cards we give people. It has some scripture on it. talks about the animal. And Buddhist monks intimidate me, okay? So we're on the road driving to Pennsylvania here a little while ago. And there's a Buddhist monk standing under a tree at this rest stop. And I looked at him, and I knew I should go give him an animal card, but I, I don't think I want to. So I, got in, I went and got in the car. And the girl said, uh, oh, no, I said, uh, did anybody give that monk uh, a card? Well, no, Dad, that's your job. Why don't you go give him that card? Well, now, what am I supposed to do? Oh, I, I, I don't No, okay. I get out of the car. I go over. We talk a little bit. He was from Thailand, okay, spoke good English. He had all the Buddhist monk robe on. And then I got, and I said, well, now let me ask you a question. What do you think about the Jesus of the Bible? He said, Jesus, no Jesus. Just like a demon coming right out of him, okay? And uh, so I smiled, and I said, well, here, well, we've got these animal cards. Oh, he took them. So you might pray. This Buddhist monk receives Jesus, all right? He's got what he needs now. Okay, John 12, 43. For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. I hope that's not us, any of us. Okay? Academic pride. We love the praise and honor of people more than that which comes from our Savior, the Lord Jesus. By the way, political correctness, which is really cultural Marxism, is the opposite of biblical truth. 
And we're seeing a lot of that these days. You know what? We now have fake news. Have you heard of that? We have fake history. It's called revisionist history. We have fake pharmacology. We've learned about that the last three years. We have every single area of life has been stolen by the devil, flip-flopped, and turned. And everything's a fake. Fake science. What's that called? Evolution. Okay? It's a fake. Because I was one. And it took me five years to go from being a Christian evolutionist to being a biblical young earth global flood creationist. Because I was believing the words of man instead of the word of God. We don't want to do that. We can trust God, the creator, the God of the Bible. Tells us, study what he's made. We'll see irrefutable evidence that he exists. That's true. And so we read this this morning. But we'll look at this one now. Thus saith God the Lord, he that created the heavens. He didn't evolve them and stretched them out. He that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it. He that giveth breath to the people upon it. Are you breathing? Yeah, you're breathing. Have you thanked the Lord for your breath? Thank you, Lord, I'm breathing. If, if you wake up in the morning and you're not breathing, you're dead, right? He says, he gives us each breath. God wants you here right now. He wants you alive. He wants you breathing so that you can use your breath to speak to other people about him, okay? So he gives us the breath, uh, and then he gives us spirit, and then he says, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Evolution steals God's glory. It robs him of his praise. The whole purpose, I can be here without God. All right, Jesus Christ or Charles Darwin, who told us the truth? Can we believe that old book called the Bible as it tells us the origin of everything? Oh, that, that Genesis, that's just poetry. It's just allegory. It's never intended to be taken literally. Oh, it sure is. How do we know that? Because it's Hebrew historical prose. It is not poetry. How do we know that? Because of the grammatical form. What is Hebrew poetry? Uh, God created the fish. Subject, verb, object. That's how poetry is written in Hebrew. But that's not how it's written. Created God the fish. Verb, subject, object is how it's written in the Hebrew. That means it's straightforward narrative. Now, there's a little bit of poetry stuck in here and there. Uh oh, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, okay? But the 99% is narrative. God says, here's what I did. Here's the order in which I did it. I'm not telling you everything exhaustively, but what I have told you, it is true. I expect you to believe it. Oh, yeah, but those days in Genesis, they could be any amount of time. What do you mean? I mean, well, how long was Jonah in the belly of the great fish? Three days? It wasn't three billion years? No, we, nobody questions that. 
uh, how long did Esther fast? Anybody remember? Oh, it was three billion years. She was skinny when she finished. No, it was three days. The Hebrew word yom with a numerical qualifier always means normal days. Okay? But then we get to Genesis. And you got the same word form, number and day, that you have with Jonah and Esther and several other places. But we get, and it mean, we don't even question it, it means normal day. We get to Genesis. Uh, well, you know, those days could be a billion years each. Wait a minute. What caused us to change what those words mean in the grammatical form that they're in? Ah, we have believed the words of man instead of the word of God. That's what it boils down to. I have believed man when he said we're billions of years. That's what it comes down to. We can believe what God says. Was there something else I wanted to say about that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Genesis, right in Genesis chapter 1. I can't do it without my wife. I mean, I'm telling you the truth. I can't do this without my wife. And it was 56 years. Uh, she could do this better than I can. By the, anyway, Genesis 1, verse 14, right in the middle of Genesis chapter 1, where people say those days could be a billion years each, God says there were days, there were seasons, there were years. He's given us a commentary on what he means in Genesis 1 by the word day. Okay, if a day is a billion years, but in the same verse you have the word season and you have the word year. If a day is equal to a billion years, how long is a season? See, they're 90, 90 days. Is a season 90 billion years long? How long is a year if a day equals a billion years? They had 360-day years in their calendar. Is, is a year 360 billion years? You can't do it. Right in the Ten Commandments. What does God say? Exodus chapter 20, verse 9. Talking to people. People. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. Okay, does anyone here ever go off and work for six billion years? And it feels like it sometimes, doesn't it? No, we know what those days are. We know what kind of days we work. That's verse 9, Exodus 20. Verse 11, for in six days, God's hey, I want you all to know, the same kind of days you people work, I worked. You work six days, regular days, I worked. Same kind of days, six days, regular days. And within that week, made up of normal six-day, 24-hour days, whatever you want to call them, I made the heavens, the earth, the seas, and all that in them is. God says, I just want you to know, I made everything. That would include the angels. I made everything that I made within a six-day week that's the same kind of days you people worked. You can't get anything else out of that unless you want to believe the words of man. Oh, yeah, but the Bible says a day is like a thousand years. Those days could be any amount of time. That's 2 Peter chapter 3. You know what God's doing there? He's telling us his heart. He just finished talking about three judgments in 2 Peter chapter 3. The, he talked about the flood judgment, the second coming judgment that's coming, and the fire judgment that's coming. And then he says, 
I'll tell you what, let's just look at that. Uh, we'll just, just open your Bible quickly to 2 Peter chapter 3. And, uh, and just keep praying for me. Thank you. 2 Peter chapter 3, down there in verse 3, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? They're going to mock the second coming. They're going to mock the rapture. Where's the promise of his coming? By the way, they do that. You try to talk about somebody and say, hey, did you know Jesus might be coming even today? Whoa, what's the matter with you? Okay, people have been saying that ever since who knows when. All right, they mock it. They say, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Well, they don't. We're, it's not the same since... Before the flood, everything is still eating plants. That includes T-Rex. How do we know? Genesis 1 verse 30. To every beast of the earth, I've given every green plant for food. So everything is still eating green plants. Until after the flood in Genesis 9, when God says to Noah, Noah, from now on, we got a little problem here. I'm putting fear and dread between you and the beast. Now, if you can catch him, you can eat T-Rex. Then in verse 5, God says, now T-Rex, I'm going to talk to you a minute. Genesis 9, verse 5. If you can now, if you can catch Noah, you can eat him, Okay. He changed it. He flipped the switch and put dread between man and beast, man and bird, man and fish. You can't walk up to a little bird, oh, a little birdie. And no, they're going to take off. Before the flood, on the ark, there was no dread enmity between man and beast if we just take what the Bible says. What does that mean? All Noah had, he didn't have to have freezers full of frozen lamb to feed the lions for a year. Everything is still eating hay, if you want to put it that way. He just had plants, that's all. That's what they're still eating. That would have saved a lot of problems for Noah. Probably a lot of them hibernated during that year. Maybe they estivated, that's sleep in summertime. Probably a lot of them didn't eat much that way and other things. So, look. If we just take what the Bible says, it solves a lot of problems. T-Rex, those big teeth. Some of those big teeth, like seven inches long, but they only had a root, like two inches long. If they bit into a jerking, squirming lizard, it'd probably just pull his teeth right out. He'd come to see me the next day. I'm a dentist. Here, I need teeth. Uh, by the way, did you ever look at the arms on those T-Rexes? They're about that long, right? <laughs> they can't even reach up to where his head is. So there's no way he could grab a hold of something and eat like corn on the cob. He can't get his arms up there. See, we have believed things that we just haven't thought through very well, but that's what we're told. We're told, okay? And so, on that ark, there were dinosaurs on the ark. No problem. But they weren't trying to eat Noah or anything else. Because that was not yet okay by God. Now, there could have been some that rebelled before the flood. Adam and Eve did. 
Cain did. So there could have been some that rebelled and they ate something they weren't supposed to eat, like another animal. Yeah, that's possible. They think they have a few fossils where they have another animal inside it. That could have been compressed in, but the other anyway. Uh, but the fact is, we're in a different world system now. So what did God say? They were, I'm back to 2 Peter 3 here, uh, verse 5. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water. That's talking about the flood of Noah. It's not talking about some pre-Adamic race of people, and there was a pre-Adamic flood of some sort. Now, we know that because there was no death before Adam sinned. So you can't have anything going on like that before Adam. So it's talking about the flood of Noah, and then he says this, but the heavens which are now uh, and the earth, which are now by the same word are kept in score, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Three judgments, and then God inserts a little paragraph. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years. Oh, there it is. That proves those days in Genesis could be any amount of time. No, look what else he says. And a thousand years as one day. So you just negated your argument on that one. But that's not what he's talking about. Now he's going to tell us what he's talking about. Verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is saying, hey, as I wait for you to come to faith in Jesus, a day is like a thousand years. But on the day that you would say, okay, Jesus I know you're my Savior. I know you died for me. I'm trusting in you. He said, a thousand years would be like a day. I think that's all he's saying. Now, he's above time. Yeah, that's for sure. Anyway, I don't think you can use 2 Peter chapter 3 to say those days in Genesis could be any amount of time. You can't even use the genealogies. Some people say, oh, yeah, but you know what? There could be millions of years missing in those genealogical tables. Probably missing time, too. And, uh, well, now let's think about that for just a minute. If you want to put evolution and millions of years into the Bible, and you say, well, I can get my millions of years because there are big gaps in the genealogical tables in the Bible. There could be millions of years there for evolution to happen. Well, now let's think about this. What are the genealogical tables in the Bibles? They're the tables of the generations of what? People. What does God say? People started at the very beginning. Mark chapter 10, verse 6. What does evolution say? People came along millions of years later because we had to have all these animals evolve and all kinds of other things evolve. Well, then, in the genealogical tables, if there's millions of years, but it's the tables of people, and evolution says people were the last thing to evolve. You know what Charles Darwin said? The white male is the epitome, the highest of human evolution. That's what Charles Darwin said. He was a racist. It's right on the cover of his original book. Original species by means of natural selection or the preservation of favored races in the struggle for life. He was a racist. 
He tells us all about it in his book called The Descent of Man. How many races are there? One, the race of Adam. We all may have different amounts of melanin and different ways that we appear. We are all, we can all take blood transfusions from each other. We're all one race. There's one race of people. And you know what there is right now? There's one main family on planet Earth. It's called the family of God. If you go through the Old Testament, what do you see? You see all these families. The family of Adam, the family of Noah, the family of Moses, the family of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Solomon, Hosea. Physical families. Get into the New Testament. By the way, what was the command? Multiply and fill the earth. Get into the New Testament. Name me a family. Uh, oh, yeah, there was Ananias and Sapphira. They didn't last long. There was uh, Aquila and Priscilla. Did they have any children? Huh, we don't know, do we? Well, there was, uh, oh, Timothy. He had a mother and a grandmother. Uh, yeah, did he have any brothers and sisters? Did, what, do we know, what, what do we know about his family? We know some things about Jesus' family. But now the king has come. The Savior has come. He comes to indwell us. And now it's a different command. It's no longer multiply and fill the earth. The command now is go and make disciples. Okay? And so, we're in a different way of thinking about things. Yes, the Old Testament is important, no doubt about that. It's quoted all the way through the New Testament, but it's a different way of looking at things. Let me get on here. Uh, Genesis 1.31, God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good, and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Point to ponder. If there is no God, no creator, no designer, and then what happened? Well, it was a mindless, chance, accidental, random, non-directed, non-purposeful, non-intentional process that produced everything that looks like it came from a gifted artist. It really does. Um, Art requires an artist, doesn't it? Yeah. A building. It demands a builder. No, no. I just speak it into existence. There it is. Uh, a watch must have a watchmaker. A painting couldn't exist without a painter. A design, no matter how simple, requires a designer. DNA is language. That's what we're told, okay? And so, it had to be designed. It's a language. Language needs a creator. DNA is language. Therefore, DNA had an intelligent creator. Uh, has to. All right, any creation is caused by its creator. A beautiful bird is a creation. Therefore, a beautiful bird has a creator. And the creator's name is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is. But that means he's also the Savior. Because he's the, cre the creator, he has the right and the authority to save your soul from your sins. <laughs> we talked to a father, it's not funny, we talked to a father not too long ago, and he had a, I think she was 14 years old, and I said, you know, your daughter, and she wasn't a Christian, he knew it, and I said, well, your daughter needs a savior, you know, she's a sinner. Oh, no, my daughter is not a sinner. She does not sin. 
I said, well, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Not my daughter. Uh, lost track of them. Don't know what happened there. Anyway, let's go. There's that thing again. Just please go away. All right. Uh, Colossians 1. Who hath delivered us, when we know Jesus, from the power of darkness, has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven. It's talking about Jesus. And that are in earth, visible and invisible. How would the Apostle Paul know there are created invisible things? Had he ever seen an atom? Had he ever seen an electron? Had he ever seen a quark or a gluon? Or now they tell us they found the God particle. No, they haven't. What's God tell us in Ecclesiastes? We can't get to the beginning or the ending of anything. But he wants us to keep looking. Okay. No. He knew because God inspired this. God knew he created invisible things all over everywhere. Uh, they're in the earth, visible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And by him all things consist. By the way, hair, feathers, porcupine quills, teeth have a certain amount of keratin. Scales are composed of keratin. Does this prove that hair, feathers, porcupine quills, and teeth all evolved from scales over millions of years? That's what we're taught at the university. Nope, there's no scientific evidence that scales ever evolved into anything. Scales have always been scales. There's no ancestral relationship between scales and feathers, scales and hair, scales and teeth, etc. Whether you look at it embryologically, anatomically, histologically, physiologically, morphologically, functionally, zero relationship. But we know that the birds came from dinosaurs because birds have scales on their feet. It's still in the textbooks. Those aren't scales on a bird's feet. They're called scoots or scutes. They have a totally different origin than scales. They have an origin deep down in the in the dermis. Scales in the epidermis, upper, upper surface. They're not related to scales at all, but it's still in the textbooks because they want us to believe that the birds came from the reptiles. And so they lied to us. And then so we looked at all this. Now, just a few birds, just to give you a nice, pleasant thing to think about, the creation of God as we finish up here this morning. Um, look at that. For beautiful, beautiful. And the feathers come out with the colors in the right places, and the stripes line up. Unbelievable. Little flame crest looks like a cocky little bird, doesn't it? Or a, a golden pheasant. All these different birds. And they all came from that first blue-green algae. What? What kind of an imagination do people have? There's your green jay. I thought all jays were blue. Nope. Uh, how about a kingfisher? Look at the beak on that little guy. Or here's a Lady Amherst pheasant. I mean, all you can do is, Lord, this is wonderful. Look at what you've done. He put all that in the genes. Bleeding heart dove. Well, I'll be. What did Jesus, what happened there? Jesus said, this is my blood of my New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Hebrews 9.22, and almost all things are by law purged with blood. Without the shedding of blood is no remission. 
Nicobar Penguin, Pin Pigeon, the Ketzelberg, the Bird of Paradise. He's got a backpack. I mean, look at that. The top of his head, blue. A big red patch on his back. When he fans his tail out, there's different. Lord Jesus, it's beautiful. Look what you've done. The bird of paradise. Now, he likes to fan out his tail. Look at that. Amazing. A peacock. Now, I don't know. I don't know about this one. Uh, I don't know if that's kind of like a half-breed somehow or if that's a Photoshop on that one. I don't know. Polish chicken. I like Polish chickens. They're hard to breed because they don't understand English. But anyway, <laughs> we have some people who have some of those. Psalm 8, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the paths of the sea, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. That's the same Lord that came to earth, lived a perfect life, took our sin on himself on the cross so that he could offer us a free gift, the gift of eternal life. And all we have to do is say, yes, thank you, Lord, I believe. And I thought I saw that. I did. What's it say right up here? For by grace you've been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. It's not a result of any kind of works at all. It's a free gift. He doesn't want us boasting. My name is... Look what I did. Look what I did for you. By the way, what can you do for the Lord? Nothing. What does he say? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, then what do I do? What's it say in Galatians uh, 5.20? I have been crucified with Christ. What's that mean? I'm dead. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, it's not my life. You see, it's the life of Jesus. So we don't live for Jesus. We live from Jesus. He wants to live his life through us as we die to ourself. We die to our pride, okay? And we reckon ourselves dead, Romans chapter 6. I can't be selfish when I'm dead. I can't demand things when I'm dead. I'm dead. 
Jesus says, let me live through you. Just let me live through you. Put your own things aside, reckon them dead, and then just let me live through you. That's what he wants to do. I'll pray. Thank you, Father, that we've had a little time. And, and I thank you for the prayers of the saints today for me, as this wasn't exactly what I had ready to go. But I trust you in all things, so I pray that we've been able to be encouraged today. And if someone is here and needs Jesus, today would be the day for them to put Jesus into their heart. Amen, I pray.